Hey, grapes. We're in Surrender's attic right now, and it's bigger and more elaborate than any cathedral I've ever seen. However, it does smell like dust and old Easter candy. It kind of reminds me of my grandma's attic. You know, the type of attic you saw as a little kid, and you were immediately convinced a demon lived there? So, logical next step, you dare your older cousin to sneak up there, but they were way older than you and way smarter, and... (laughs) And they come back down and they swear they saw a ghost. And then they eventually convince you into going up to see for yourself. And then you get locked in the attic. But, you know, instead of old Halloween decorations and an empty dresser, Surrender's attic has, like, piles of gold and bones. There's gilded skulls all along the ceiling. There's a dusty, jewel-encrusted dinosaur skeleton. And there's a globe that's covered in teeth. And there's squids. We're surrounded by flying squids. They're singing. Can you hear them? They sound like little music boxes. It's beautiful. (sighs) Grapes, the squids are so beautiful. And I'm so scared. Surrender ordered me to catch all the squids in her house. I'm... well, I'm not doing it. Which... I don't know why I won't catch the squids. I've done everything else Surrender has commanded. I... well, I didn't do anything myself, I guess. But I'm not going to trap the squids and throw them in the lake of fire. That would... throwing someone into the lake of fire kills them forever. Like, your soul stops existing... And I don't want to do that to a squid. I'm just... I'm lying to her and saying they're too hard to catch. So, I got eaten by a suit monster. You probably want to hear about the suit monster. Um, well, he ate me. (laughs) And I was in his stomach for like a half hour. Well, a timeless half hour. Like an eternal epoch, but shorter and more convenient. So I was suspended in an egg drop soup stomach for a while. Of course I didn't drown or anything. I do breathe, but I don't like need to breathe, so I was fine. It was actually sort of warm and goopy and... Well, there are some things you only get to experience once, and being engulfed in egg drop soup is one of them. (laughs) It was- it was kind of like a hot tub, but saltier. Um, and there was onions. And I could feel the soup monster, you know, stomping around. Uh, but I'm in hell, so I assumed I wouldn't die or anything, which you can die in hell if you get thrown into the lake of fire. But I figured the soup monster probably didn't know about that, because it's not, like, soup-related knowledge, so I wasn't that worried. I kind of... (laughs) I kind of fell asleep. Which is pretty dumb, but I was in a soup cocoon. The soup cocoons feel great. It was nice. So then I wake up, because I feel the soup around me squeezing and releasing. Squeezing and releasing. And like, it was squeezing hard. It felt like it was going to squeeze all my eyes out. It was really uncomfortable. And then, with a splash of soup and a burst of light, the monster pukes me up. Which, (laughs) which was awful. (laughs) Like, at least I can say I've been puked up. 
but that's another once in a lifetime thing and it was not great that was not ideal so so this is where the story gets scarier like i don't know grapes i i want to like have fun and not vent to you too much but yeah it got scary so i open all my eyes and I'm looking up at the suit monster silhouetted by blue light. And I look behind me and I recognize generally where I am. Remember ages ago when I said hell has a bunch of floors, like a sky rise? So it has thousands of floors. And the capital floor that I live on is right smack in the middle. Each floor is round and empty in the center like a donut. If you look down the hole in the middle, you see the lake of fire. Huge and burning bright blue right at the bottom of hell. It smells like sulfur, and you can sometimes see prehistoric leviathans swimming through the air down there. It's, it's pretty creepy. So the soup monster vomited me up at the edge of our floor. And there's this rusty looking railing, but I'm still only like an inch from the edge. The edge of the artificial pit with the lake of fire miles away at the bottom. So I turn back around and realize the soup monster is staring at me. And you know, it's a monster made of soup. It's got... It's just got soup. It doesn't have eyes or teeth or anything. It's just soup that's shaped like a guy with a huge mouth. And for a second, I think about what we'd look like from the outside, just two monsters staring at each other. Me with 17 eyes, him with none, and there's broth dripping off both of us. Then the soup monster... The soup monster leans over and grabs one of my horns and lifts me into the air, up over his head, above the railing, over the miles-long drop to the lake of fire. And... You know, I kicked for a second when he was lifting me, but then he held me above the fire and I went perfectly still, perfectly silent. I didn't move and I didn't say a thing. I always, when I was younger, I assumed I'd do something in that situation. I figured I'd try and talk the person out of it or, well, begging's undignified, but you get the idea. But I just froze. Hands clutched around my own head, around the soup monster's hand, and I looked at him. And, and I noticed out of the corner of one of my eyes, there were all these kites tied to the railing, and the heat coming up from the pit below was keeping them up, fluttering in the sulfur wind. So I just stared at this red kite, and I thought, I'm gonna die. That's, that's what happened when I got sacrificed, too. You know, I'm here because this guy sacrificed me to surrender, so now I have to serve her for eternity, and... Well, it's all led up to you and me listening to squids in her attic and all that. But when that guy killed me, I... You heard, I met him on a dating app and went out to his old farmhouse and he opened the front door and stuck a gun in my face and... I, I just let him. I froze. I didn't say a thing, I didn't run, I just stood there. And he took me inside and tied me up and sat me down on this summoning circle he carved into the floor and... <laughs> And he had this cursive, decorated sign on the wall facing me, and it was a Bible verse from Job. And it was Job 13, 15. It said, Though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust in him. So I'm sitting on this ritual carving, tied up, just staring at this stupid sign, thinking, I'm gonna die. This is it. I'm dead. And, and then surrender showed up, and the words on the sign started bleeding, and, well, the guy cut my heart out and made me eat it, which sounds really dramatic, and I mean, it kind of was. Like, it hurt. But <laughs> but he had to go downstairs and microwave the heart. I was bleeding out and being, like, supernaturally kept alive, 
so it was really hard to chew raw heart. Like, I just couldn't manage it. <sighs> dying. Like dying, getting murdered. It's a really undignified process. I always imagined murder looking the way it does on TV, with lots of dramatic lighting and lingering, angry glares, but yeah, it's not like that at all. It was like all the vulnerability and fear and compromise of getting really, really sick, but none of the kindness, and you know you're gonna die. Anyway, the guy came back upstairs with my cooked heart and a plastic kid's spoon and handed them to surrender, and <sighs> she fed me my own heart. And I haven't told you this, Grapes, but she took my name. <laughs> my name isn't Simon. Surrender took my name and all the memories I could have used to figure it out. And, and I know my mom named me after a saint. I know it. I remember my mom picking me up on her hip and telling me all about him, but I, but I, don't, I don't remember the name. The sad thing is, I feel like I know all the main saints, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, but, like, I don't. I can't, or I'd be able to figure it out. Surrender laughed at me when she took it. She said she doesn't usually do that. She even lets demons pick new names if they want to, like everybody else does when they get to hell, but she thought it was ironic to change my name specifically. So, I don't know my real name. And I don't know the name of the man that killed me. And I don't know the name of the farmer lady. Well, I didn't do anything, but you know. And I don't know the name of the soup monster. Uh, so I just hung there, over the pit. And I thought, I'm gonna die. Again. And I don't know why. Again. And then I felt a swing and a drop, and I closed my eyes, but I just fell on the floor. Safely back behind the railing. And the soup monster stomped away. The squid's song is... it's really pretty, isn't it? I don't know. I'm not here to lecture you about despair or fear or beauty, I just... I don't know. Life just feels random and terrifying, like, constantly. And I know things aren't as random as they seem, like, do you remember that squid spirit that looked like an alien? Like they said, everything's a part of a system, but sometimes stuff's just sad. Or scary. Or hopeless. Sometimes you almost get killed by the sentient soup you accidentally created, and then you have to go to work for the person who stole your name and made you eat your own heart. And she makes you clean her evil, chocolate-scented attic, and she orders you to kill helpless squids, even though they can fly and sing. And you say, I'm fine! Surrender isn't actually evil. I don't really actually think about Isaac too much. I'm not bad. I'm a good person. And it's just... The squids are beautiful, okay? The squids are beautiful. And I love spending time with Isaac and Mama. I love my house and, and my bed with all its pillows and purple blankets. And I still have the empty sardine tin Hedonism gave me. The one that had the 10 years ago story in it. I still have that. And, and that kid Lemon. The one with the missing friend and all the hair. She's at the Congress of Devils all the time. And she taught me and one of the other demons the whole Pokemon rap. And, and, and grapes. Grapes, I love talking to you. And it was so sweet of Lucy to give you to me, and... And the world is a beautiful, gentle place. And also, it's super violent. Constantly. Like, there's been so many times in my life, like, when Lucy gave you to me, that was such a kind thing to do. There have been so many people who have been kind to me. But I also know what microwaved heart tastes like. And we all just kind of have to live with that dissonance.
I'm not even going to say that pain is required for beauty, because it's not, or that kindness makes all the evil in the world worth living through, because that's not necessarily true either. Like, life is just always both at once. And you have to just keep hoping for gentleness and feeling terrified. That's just how it is. I think. <sighs> I got this week's story from the kite. I realized, up in the air, about to die, that the kite had a little corked bottle tied to it. And, well, in the moment I didn't think a thing about it. But after laying on the ground next to the railing for a while, you know, the soup monster's long gone, there's broth all over the place, I'm shocked. After that I stand up, and I don't- I didn't really feel anything. I had a stomach ache, but that's it. So I got up, and reeled the kite in, and I untied the little corked bottle from it, and then I set the kite out again. And this is when I realized there's a lot of kites flying above the pit, even some on the other side of the hole. They're very far away and hard to see, but they're there. And some of them have art, or little bottles, or keys, or writing in another language that I can't read on it. One's huge, and it's covered in a rainbow of handprints. One has bones tied to it. One's in English, and it reads, I love Mark, really big. And I stare at the fire, and I stare at the kites, and then I feel surrender call me to work, so I go, bottle clenched in my hands, covered in soup, and when I got there, she screamed at me for being covered in soup, and then, well, she sent me here. I'm going to read you what's on the letter in the bottle. I haven't read it yet, but I figured we could do it together. It starts, Dearest, this is how I died. I was little. I am little. My mom always told me that when you see a monster in your room at night, get up and run at it. Don't even think, just run up and poke it. Because it's always a sock or a blanket or a bike helmet balanced on a baseball bat, and if you poke it, you'll see that there aren't any monsters in your room. That's what I told my cat that night. He was sitting up with me, soft and small and watching, and I whispered very quietly into his ear so he would know the plan. There was a monster in my room. He was a man dressed all in black, standing in the shadow right next to my door. He was standing right where I couldn't get out without running past him, and just a few inches to the left of where he would have been visible to someone standing in the hall. I couldn't see his face. Just that it was round and pale, like an unreflective porcelain plate, and that he was very tall. I couldn't see his feet, either. He was standing, however, right in front of my bookshelf. And past the terror and excitement and seasick queasy, I knew in my heart of hearts that it was a street light reflecting off some newly upturned book on my shelf. It was, however, still scary, which is why I whispered the plan to my ginger cat, Tony, who seemed gentle and calm and utterly unafraid of the dark. After a long glance at my cat's placid, moony eyes, I locked full focus on the man. At first, I crept off the bed slowly, not looking at the floor as I carefully placed one toe down, ready to feel the ice-cold twist of a tentacle dart out from under the bed and wrap around my ankle. It didn't, because monsters aren't real. Sick to my stomach and breathing hard, I threw my feet at the floor, and all in one motion I ran up to the man, just like I had so many times before. I poked him, bravely expecting the cold wood of the bookcase or the wool of a stray blanket, but no. I poked a shirt and a stomach that gave just a little, like a breath. Air caught in my throat and for a moment I froze, staring at him. 
and then, horrified, I ran back to my bed. I pressed my back against the headboard, pulled the blankets up around my chin, and, panting, stared at him. He took two steps forward and stood, still, at the edge of my bed. We stared at each other, watching, waiting. I could feel my heartbeat inside my neck, too paralyzed to speak. He still didn't have a face. Mom? My first call was quiet and cracking and shrill, but when the man didn't acknowledge he could hear me, I cried it louder. Mom? I felt burning in the back of my throat as tears trickled down my face. Mom! I was screaming now, Mom, help! Mom, please! Mom, you have to come in here! My last cry was cut in half by a sob as the man watched me, unchanging and unflinching, faceless, tall, and two feet away from me. I scooped up Tony, who meowed angrily at me for disturbing his nap. Tony, shh, I cried quietly. Mom! Tony yowled, wiggling in my grasp as I clutched him tighter. Don't leave, Tony. Don't leave, don't leave. Good kitty. Tony, please. Scratching and clawing, he wrenched himself free, and I didn't move to get him back. He hopped off the bed and padded out of the room. The man didn't seem to notice that I'd been betrayed by my only protector and witness, and I scooched myself further into the wall. Tony, I bawled. Tony, come back. Silence answered me, and I went back to yelling for my mom, my voice breaking. The man just stared at me. An hour passed and I, still crying, thought about poking him again, or running past him down the hall and up the stairs to my mother's bedroom, but all I could imagine was running with my back to him all the way up the dark stairs. I felt like he would kill me if I wasn't there to watch him. But he wouldn't. He couldn't, I told myself, because monsters aren't real. Of course they weren't. I was only imagining him, and if I got out of bed he would stay right there because he wasn't real. I was just being silly. I stayed in bed. I decided right then to stay up all night and wait for the sun to come up because socks or blankets or baseball bats reveal their true selves in the sunshine, and I was going to wait for that. I was still crying. Hours passed, and I almost nodded off twice, but I stayed up all night, and an hour before dawn, I was more awake than ever. So was he. I could feel it. And that's when I wanted to run because I started to get the feeling that I didn't want to see him in the sunshine. What if I saw his face? What if I saw his feet? What would he be? He was waiting for the sun just like me, and the second it hit his face, the waiting would end. I made a plan. I would run, screaming, down the dark hall, up the dark stairs, and down the upstairs hall to my mother's room. I would turn my back on the watching man and let him chase me. I would just have to be very, very fast. I twitched. What if I got to my mom's room and she wasn't there? What if that was the reason she'd been ignoring me? What if he chased me and cornered me all alone in her bed? I could run outside. I could run to the neighbors and pound on their door and beg, but I had a feeling they wouldn't be there either. I had a feeling there was no mom, no Tony. It was just him and just me and half an hour until the sun came up. I could feel the excitement oozing off him. I could feel that he understood me. He knew, I knew, he wasn't a blanket or a bookcase. He knew I was alone and that I was going to run. But my mom told me when you see a monster, don't even think. I jumped up on my bed and I ran at him. And that's where the letter ends. Hmm. Cool. That's... <laughs> that's not a nice way to die. That's... That's, that's pretty traumatic. Um... This is... 
Okay, Grapes, I've said this before, but I hope you think my voice is a fun, creepy story you can turn off or put down. I hope I'm not a little voice whispering from under your bed, or a series of elaborate nightmares, or the song from a forbidden ice cream truck that only rolls through your neighborhood at 2am. I hope your brain is processing my voice as a piece of media you can disengage from. I almost died today. And... I could die tomorrow. And I guess you're dead too, Grapes. We're dead together. <sighs> I feel bad for the person who died because a monster broke into their house and stared at them. I'm going to listen to the squid sing. Let's, yeah, let's listen to them. I think one of them, I think one of them is learning to sing like a piano instead of a music box. Let's listen to the squids. Let's be scared together.